come on in. It is the end of the day and we're getting ready for another live presentation. This evening we are joined by Dr. Gilda Nesty Tong and we're so excited that she's joining us here today. So again, welcome back to another end of day stress-free zone, you know, where we just come and hang out and enjoy some great conversation with a wonderful guest and just kind of de-stress from the day, decompress and just get all the worries away from, uh, away from us. So come on in, come on in, check in. Let us know where you're joining us from. Let us know what your week has been like like, what your day has been like, because as you know, this is the place where we come to just release all the stress and just, just enjoy a wonderful conversation. So come on in, everyone. Come on in. Hey, Rosalind, you're always the first on the live. Thank you so much for always being here. And thank you for your incredible support. So as everyone is coming in, of course, we would like to thank our sponsor, TDN Radio, for allowing us this platform platform where we can come and we can relax and we can enjoy some great conversation. So everyone check in. Hi, Aura. How are you doing? So it's finally Wednesday. You know, it's time to grab your drink, whatever you're drinking. I'm a water drinker. I think Gilda is a tea drinker. So we have our drinks on hand. <laughs> and you know whatever you like to drink in the evening grab your drink kick your shoes off you know get into your recliner put a uh, do not dis disturb sign on the door let the kids know you're busy you're enjoying some me time so just come on in let's enjoy some time together so again welcome to the program and let's go ahead and bring in our guest dr gilda nasty tongue doc how are you I am good, Simone. I am good. It is so good to see you. And thank you so much for having me. Yes. And you know, all my guests are very special to, to me and to the program. But our guest this evening is especially special to me because mm -hmm. we've been friends for over 30 years. We're not trying to age ourselves, Gilda. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. been <laughs> over 30 years of friendship. So oh my it's God. truly it's been, uh, yeah. It's truly a cherished friendship. So how is Dominica? Dominica is great. Just to go back to the friendship thing, through thick and thin. Yes. I mean, we were in preparatory school together, high school. Were we in prep together? Well, high school for high sure. High school. College, university. Mm -hmm. And somehow we managed to keep in touch, which is really yes, great. Which so. is wonderful and i'm so proud of all the work that you're doing in dominica and the way that you're raising your family i mean you got a household full of boys so. i do i do i do i have my army definitely i feel very protected yes i can imagine i can imagine so um so let's get to know our guest a little bit better and let me go ahead and introduce who she is and then we can get into a conversation of why she's joining us here uh, this evening. So Dr. Nesty is a general medical practitioner who has been practicing many, uh, medicine for many years. She is currently based in primary healthcare and does private office hours at Halsborough Medical Center on the weekends. She graduated with her Bachelor of Science degree in chemistry from Midwestern State University in 
we won't say the year that's not dated <laughs> she continued on and graduated with a master's degree in biology from the university of north texas she started medical school attending ross university school of medicine upon graduating Upon graduating from medical school, she taught at Ross for one year and All Saints University for several years. Dr. Nasty is a wife, a mother of three energetic and handsome boys, and I will attest to that. Uh, Dr. Nasty has been quite instrumental in the success, successful successful control and management of our current COVID-19 pandemic. For six months, she acted in the management role as the director of primary health care. She served as a member of the border task force committee and the technical committee integral in the decision making and the management of the pandemic. As acting director of primary health care, she also managed seven health districts while attaining her certificate from PAHO in public health leadership in December of 2020. She received an International Women's Day Recognition Award on March 8, 2021 from the Ministry of Youth Development and Empowerment, Youth at Risk, Gender Affairs, Seniors, Security and Dominicans with Disability. So Dr. Nasty, thank you for being here again. It is thank wonderful you. having you on the program. And as we can see, we have quite an audience who has joined us. We have Glenda, Mary, Shari, Agnes. So we want to welcome everyone who is joining us today. So just kind of tell us a little bit more about you. Um, well, I think to be honest, uh, Simone, you've kind of hit it on the head. I am... Um, your friend first and foremost gilda as you've known me all our lives and um you know as we've matured and gotten older we've become wives we've become mothers we've become professionals um just like you just like you indicated earlier um well i graduated with my bachelor's and my master's and also with my medical school degree and um, I work in primary healthcare, and, and I love it. I love clinical work. I am a clinician. Um, that's that is my passion, clinical work. And um, at one point, I was basically taken from clinical work and uh, thrust into a management position, and that is where it all began. Mm -hmm. So. Um, my introduction from you was quite detailed. I think it encompassed everything. I, there's very little more that I, I believe is necessary to share. Um, so if, if you don't mind, we can actually just delve right into the Absolutely. Into the yes, absolutely. Thank you for that. And, you yeah. know, we're especially looking forward to hearing about your experience with the, with the COVID-19 pandemic. But before we go there, just kind of tell us about your experiences in general, some obstacles you may have faced along the way in terms of your education, beginning your career. So kind of just walk us through a little bit more about your background. And then, of course, we would like to talk about the very instrumental work that you did with regards to COVID-19 in Dominica? Well, um, I think right now I've actually reached a stage in my life where I'm comfortable talking about um, what I considered my greatest uh, challenge or obstacle, like you say, um, with um, my academic career. And um, at the time, I guess I did not understand it. I didn't really know it, but um, 
you know, I, 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 I did suffer from, uh, <laughs> there's so many stigmas attached, but I, I'm actually not afraid to say that I did suffer from a, a from anxiety disorder. So oh. that was a major challenge for me. And the, the thing is, it was only literally only um, diagnosed um, while I practiced medicine. And, um, but I, I, I suppose you know that, Simone, because mm-hmm. I was one that could never have fingernails. That was just like one of the greatest signs. Mm-hmm. I, I was always munching at my nails. Everything was always had me, you know, on the edge, so to speak. So I had my own internal, um, <laughs> internal battle dealing mm-hmm. with especially when it came to um, taking exams. Mm-hmm. So that was um, one of my biggest challenges. And uh, I got through it with, with college and with my master's degree and with the medical school. And, you know, I thank God for that. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it really was quite a challenge. It did a number on me until I, until I realized exactly what it was. And I realized how powerful the human mind is. And, um, if you're not too careful, the, you know, the, the ultimate effect you can even have on yourself. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it still continues. I wouldn't say it is a, a disorder to the point where I'm non-functional. I'm very functional, mm-hmm. but I have learned over the years how to manage a lot of my anxieties and I'm still not even perfect at it. It is a, a daily lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, simple things. The simplest of things, actually, I have to sometimes talk myself out of. Mm-hmm. Um, the simplest thoughts I have to control. When I'm in a group that I am not comfortable with, I have to do a lot of um, behavioral techniques to actually exist in that group and contribute a lot of breathing techniques a lot of self you know you know speaking to myself obviously that's my internal thoughts and it's been a challenge and um at one point medication was even considered as a possibility but luckily i have been able to to do it with behavioral modification Mm -hmm. and um when I look back at all of the years of, of my education and, you know, have been in childhood groups, etc., I realized that it did have an effect then. And um, it has allowed me to appreciate the fragility of our mental health. And uh, it has added to my passion and my love of mental health. Mm-hmm. Because I remember once being told by a, a very, very good friend of mine who is a psychiatrist that if we don't take care of them, who will? And that is so true. Mm-hmm. And the number of young females, probably even young males that probably battle with what I was battling with without any true guidance. Um, I hope and I wish that ultimately one day I can share my experiences with them and probably help somebody else. So I will always say that has been my greatest challenge. Mm-hmm. It is so funny, Simone, because obviously, you know, Dale, my brother. Yes. And Dale would say to me, you know, I think you have a problem. You know, you have a problem. You need to find out what that is. And <laughs> that was a long time ago before I even identified it myself. So it's so funny that like, you know, he could have zoned into that, but um, 
you know, it is it's just something that you just have. It's just part of me. It's something that I embrace and something that I learn to deal with. And every day I I try to deal with it a little bit better. Some days I'm good at it. Some days I'm not. And of course, it played a role in my managerial role as um, the acting director of primary healthcare. But um, luckily, I was able to. I was able to handle it, Simone. It yes, yes. And you know, day. and you know, thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're because welcome. I think, unfortunately, in the Caribbean, mental health mm-hmm. there's still a lot of stigma. Mm-hmm. and misinformation surrounding mental health. Right. And you know, mine may not have been as severe of yours, but I too suffer with anxiety to well, the point know. where, yes, to the point mm-hmm. where, and it's gotten a lot better now because like you said, managing it with behavioral um uh, techniques. therapies techniques. and techniques for me, mm-hmm. working out, eating right. healthy, exactly. getting rest was exactly. a lot. And you know, I want us to have that conversation. Um, we, Doc, we should. I, we need to have this conversation. So I'm mm. happy that you're being so candid with us because mm. unfortunately there's a lot of stigma that mm. still surrounds mental health. And I'm happy that we have um, Wilhelmina Adrian on the live. You will know her well. <laughs> That's my auntie. That's my your auntie. auntie. Hey, Auntie Will. And she says mental health is something that is still taboo, Mm -hmm. especially in Dominica. But the more we speak about it, the more comfortable talking about it becomes. Happy to know you feel comfortable speaking about it. So this is a conversation that we need to have separate from this. So Mm -hmm. I'm very happy that you brought it up. And one of the things that helped me a lot is to sing that song. And today I still sing that song one day at a time sweet jesus Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i sing that song all the time because it actually helps you to calm down that's correct and the racing thoughts Mm -hmm. so what i doing what comes next what i would do is just like literally call on his name i would just fight jesus jesus and tell myself there is power in his name so it's it's pretty much i was you see we're so rooted in religion Mm -hmm. in the caribbean so mm-hmm. I think at our age, we have recognized the strength of it and yes. um, the importance of it. So, mm-hmm. yes, it has helped me as well to call on his name, just as, just as it has helped you to sing a song mm-hmm. with his name. Yes. And, you know, ultimately, maybe this is, um, you know, it is also a form of therapy. So, yes. yeah. And to be very honest, Simone, um, in, in, as a clinician, I was able to recognize a number of females it is very, very common, you know, in the Caribbean, mental mm-hmm. health issues, a number of females battle with this mm-hmm. and they don't know who to talk to. They themselves have stigma, stigmatized the psychiatrists on the island. So they are not that open with them. Mm-hmm. And um, you'd be amazing when you just sit and talk with someone who feels, um, you know, they, they have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. They they don't, you're not a stranger per se, but you're non non judgmental, mm-hmm. and they can literally open up and let you know what they're going through, and you will help. And um, so that is what ultimately I would like to do for persons. I know this is another yes. show, and it is truly yes. another show. But this because, is important, so I want you to talk about it. This is important, so let's talk yes, about it for yes. a minute. Correct, because there, because the, the thing about it is. And, and I have, the, the strangest thing is, I have found this ever so prevalent in young females, beautiful young females with a lot of potential, you understand? Who have confidence issues, who have, um, who are battling with, with different challenges. And um, 
they all just want someone that can understand them and direct them or redirect them to where they can truly find help. And I've had a lot of females come back to me, a lot of young females, even young men come back and thank me, um, married women, um, because anxieties can also stress your marriage if yes. you're if, if yes. you're not careful because mm -hmm. the things that you as a married woman would mm -hmm. worry about mm -hmm. some other woman may find no problem with it mm -hmm. you understand mm -hmm. and um men are to me men are very simple they actually yeah. very simple okay you know what i, I mean. try not to use that word gilda but it's true they're not they're not as complex they, they try not to make them too complex we understand mm -hmm. them this is what it is okay mm -hmm. but the nagging and the constant bickering and the fighting it is not something that they embrace truly mm -hmm. you know a, a good man it is not something that a good man embraces mm -hmm. um but it is something that a woman who is battling with anxiety can find herself doing on a regular basis for no reason whatsoever no so, let me let me ask you this, Doug, because this is a very important conversation. So we have to talk about COVID at some point, but let's have this conversation for a little bit. Now, sure. did you find, because this the, this was also my experience, and like you, I've, I've been doing a lot better because I figured out ways to, to handle it. But did you, did you find that it makes you very irritable? Because very. here you are, you mm -hmm. have a million thoughts going on in your mind because you don't know what's going to come next. You're very anxious mm -hmm. and everybody needs you. Your family exactly. needs you, your husband needs you your kids need you so they're trying to talk to you and now you have a headache because you have racing thoughts and you have people mm. speaking in your ears so did it mm. make you um an so, irritable so person like you did to me this is so um it's refreshing to have this conversation with you because exactly what you're speaking of is what i have been through okay mm -hmm. so what i had no choice but to do was include him in it mm -hmm. and explain to him what goes on yes. with you you understand and that is the yes. only way I think it did a lot in terms of yes. him understanding me and who mm -hmm. I am and accepting me for whom I am or for yes. who I am. And um, it has seriously helped. And thank God that I have a husband who is not like, um, he's not going to go head on with me. You understand? Mm -hmm. He knows when to, to back off to because if, 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 if as a woman of anxiety, you, you know, you don't, honestly pick your partner wisely mm -hmm. you can have a very tumultuous relationship mm -hmm. you understand very i hope i use the correct word but it could be yes. it could it could be seriously uh, challenging mm -hmm. so when you you know when you when you get married you don't honestly sit down and say i'm gonna choose him because he fits all of these criteria but you have to understand yourself and i think mm -hmm. that helped me as a mature bride i understood mm -hmm. me and I loved him very much. Don't get me wrong. And I understood him and I knew he was like the perfect fit. No, I, he's blushing somewhere in this house, but I'm not making up any stories here. This is all truth. But, so, but Doc, let me, let me say this to you because 30 years of friendship and this is the first time we're having this conversation. So I'm so mm -hmm. happy that we're having this conversation. Yeah. And it is so true what you said because I did the same thing too with Paul. Imagine so that. it got to the point where I was getting the sense that he thought I was a bad person. And I'm all about, you know, saving my marriage. So I had that conversation with him that mm. I suffer from anxiety and what we've decided. And, you know, the good thing about it is as you practice this technique, sometimes you learn to cope a little bit better. So mm. sometimes you end up using your, your therapies a little bit less. So mm -hmm. it would get to the point, you know, like I mentioned, having the headaches where mm -hmm. I would have to say to him, you know, I just need a time out. Yeah. I, I, I need I to go in a dark room. 
Mm. And I understand, I understand yeah. the several conversations going on in your head. And a lot of mm -hmm. the conversations you're having with yourself, yes. you know, am I, it's, it, it's all about you. Do, mm -hmm. do I, you know, all these crazy questions. Am I enough? Am I good enough? Oh What's going to happen next? Am I a good enough mother? I heard you say on your show the last time with um with your guest, Miss Duvini, that you had a problem with your voice. Yes. I never knew. Yes. <laughs> I never liked my voice. Now look what oh I do. Oh my God, imagine that. You understand? Mm -hmm. so, um, and I never knew that. Mm -hmm. You understand? And that is just, I mean, it's. I've never thought to myself, oh my God, Simon has the worst voice ever or really weird voice. So oh, I have never, and this is something you are thinking in your mind that yes. this is wrong with your voice. So, so we for have me, so, mm -hmm. for me, it was my height. It yes. was my, oh my God. So many insecurities. And I think that's why I, I probably was just so close to Gina too. Because, you know, Gina is just so non-judgmental, just so yes. relaxed. And, and if anybody's anybody's wondering, we're speaking of our, you know, our next BFF, Gina later, daughter of Norman later. And we can't forget uh, Dr. Tabitha Andre that runs us up to four. That's right. And you know, it's always been, Tabitha, I told Tabitha once, you always just know the correct thing to say, the right things to say. And mm -hmm. I admire that about you. And she, she, she was, she was shocked, but it's so true. Like, yeah. you know, she, just, she tries not to be confrontational. Mm -hmm. So, but I think they're blessed because they don't have to go through what goes on in my mind or, or yours now that I'm knowing about it, because it takes away from you. It yeah. kind of makes you not even want to to be in a crowd to have yes. to deal with it you know you mm -hmm. prefer to be on your own and mm -hmm. deal with it on your own by yourself and that is so not healthy that is no, that is not. what problem lies mm -hmm. so, so i'm proud of you for doing what you do simone thank you know you. because thank you yeah, because and and I'm really happy we had this conversation. Oh my God, we used 24 minutes of your that, time. That's okay. We have all night. This is our stress zone. We come and we we yeah. chill out and relax and enjoy good conversation. So if anyone is just joining us, we're speaking to Dr. Gilda Nesty Tang out of Dominica, and we're just kind of exploring our friendship for the last 30 years. That the things that we share in common, mm -hmm. which is really battling anxiety for many many years. And right. we're, I'm so happy we're having this conversation and mm -hmm. I am hoping that we will have a program where yes. we can talk some more about anxiety, especially as it relates, as mm -hmm. Dr. Nasty was mentioning, relates to young women mm -hmm. in Dominica who have right. se um, severe anxiety. And I'm so happy that they have you, Doc, that they're able to open up with you, mm -hmm. that they feel comfortable to open up um, to you, even if they don't feel comfortable opening up to the psychiatrist, it's important to have someone because they can speak with on the topic. Correct, correct. Yes, so, yes. So I'm looking forward to having that conversation with you so on we another need to, program. We might just save someone, you know, out there. Yes. So because it's it's a very um it's it's a it's one of those conversations that need to be had because yes. it's so oftentimes just you know kind of like compartmentalized or, mm -hmm. you know, swept under the carpet, but it needs to be dealt with, you know? Yes, so yes, yeah, we can do absolutely. that, Simone. That, that would be nice. Yes, I'm looking forward to having this conversation. So now let's talk about COVID-19 in Dominica. So mm -hmm. let's just start from where we are right now. What is the current situation with uh, COVID-19 in Dominica? Okay, well, um, right now, as of um, the last dashboard, that's March 29th, um, we have had a total of 
let me just speak of the active cases because if I speak of the total number of cases we have first, then oftentimes I get persons saying, oh my God, but at present we only have seven active cases on the island, which is a great thing. Yes. So yeah, so we've done a very good job at containment and um and management so we have only seven active cases admitted right now being managed at the COVID hospital we have had a total of 164 confirmed cases however on our small island and, and most of these cases are imported cases whether um legally or through our you know what we call the backdoor, backdoor. Quote unquote, illegal mm -hmm. entry um we have had 157 recovered so far. And um, Simon, you know, the, the, the battle continues. We have mm -hmm. not dropped our guard. We've continued with the very same protocols that we've established since July 20th, um, 2020. And it's rigid. It's, it's, it's sometimes even looked, looked upon as a bit draconian, but it has worked for Dominica. And, um, Right now, with the number of persons vaccinated on the island, unfortunately, we are unable to lighten our protocol measures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So thank you for sharing that. So I think um, we will come back to that in a minute. But sure. I wanted to talk to you about um, your assignment to the position of Acting Director of Primary um, Healthcare in Dominica. So just tell us how that came about, how you got picked uh, to pretty much head up the operation for the pandemic in Dominica. And as someone who suffers from anxiety, I can only imagine your initial reaction. <laughs> oh my goodness. This was, I was like, what is this for <laughs> This was, oh, Simon, this came from left field. It came from left field because the um, the actual director of primary health care, she herself was reassigned to the, being the coordinator of border um, control. And um, on the 20th of July of last uh, year, was it the 20th or somewhere around there? I was just basically told that um, Dr. Nesty, um, the the director is not available, and so we need you to act in the position of um, director of primary health care. Um, of course, the whole idea of um, an acting assignment is something that uh, requires cabinet review approval and 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 you know um, approval also by the the president, etc. So in the interim, I was called the officer in charge. Now that was supposed to have been from July to September 2nd and was prolonged up until February 12th of this year. So what was supposed to have been just a couple of weeks, you know, holding on ended up being six months, about six yes. months in the position. So what was, what, what was the scope of your responsibility? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> one of my, the, the scope of my responsibilities to answer your question was, <sighs> Far and wide. Immense. Far and wide. Immense. Primary health care is such that um, basically you are expected to do what it takes at um, the, the level of the community so that you can reduce admission rate, um, reduce death, etc., and reduce the patient population in secondary health care, which is the hospital. But um, in my role, one of my main responsibilities was that of heading the contact tracing team. Mm. Now, in the beginning, I will say that this was my greatest challenge because 
I went into this with the objective to identify every case, to contain every case, to continue to contribute to the zero um, death rate, um, the zero zero percent death rate that we had, and to ensure that never again would our borders be closed or would there be some curfew initiated in Dominica. And, and that was particularly important to me because in March of 2020, when we had our first case from the United Kingdom, when the cases arrived at case number 18, we locked down the country and um, the, the curfews were, were implemented and all students were asked to basically do um, homeschooling, online learning. Now, in my capacity as a, as a clinician in primary health care, and also my husband's role, we were not parents that could stay home with our children. That is true. I didn't <laughs> think about that. That is So true. I had three boys at home with unsupervised um, online learning going on. My nanny, she's Haitian, God bless her heart. Very good nanny. But you can imagine there is a community. The limitations. The limitations. So, yes, yes, yes. So um, my eldest took basically a semester off. That is the way I look at it. A very expensive semester off because you still had to pay the very expensive tuition. Yeah. My middle son, he, I mean, he, 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 he did a comeback. I knew, I knew my son was capable, but any child that you leave at home, he's a device maniac. He is a computer. He's just yeah. into computers. So yeah. you leave him, up, leave him at home to do online learning with what he loves. And it is very easy for any child like him to be distracted. And this is what yes, happened. My middle, my middle son had to oftentimes log on the last, my last child, as well as do his lessons. I remember being deployed into various communities throughout the island and having to find reception to call. And wow. while I'm calling, looking on my phone and saying, okay, well, you have Spanish at 11. You have French at this time. Make sure your youngest brother is on his phonics class. And then sometimes not even having any reception. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what is going on in my home. Yes, <laughs> I can but imagine. It was, it was that. So this, this was one of my um, main driving factors when I got into that role to succeed yes. because I did not want my children or any other child. No, no, I'm speaking of my, my children, but there were a number of other children throughout the island that did not have the, um, you know, they did not have the privileges of having a laptop or let's say a tablet to do online learning. So just were basically not in school. They were just not enrolled. School is very, very critical on this island. It's critical for a number of reasons. We know our kids are safe, number one. Number two, they're learning. You understand? They, they're, not, they're not home where they're distracted and possibly even um, engaging in activities that we would prefer to protect them protect them from. So mm -hmm. this I, I will always say that this was one of my major, major propelling factors to ensure that the kids remain Went back to school. And that I would succeed at, you know, controlling this pandemic to the best way I could. Because when um, it's not only the adults that suffer, the children suffer even more.
And um, I don't know what it's like for your daughter with quarantine, but the short period that they were quarantined at home away from their friends, it was like torture for them. Yes, and it was. We have yard. We have like about yes. we have enough room for the kids mm -hmm. to run outside. We mm -hmm. even went as far as buying a huge pool. I think I showed you some pictures. Yes, we, we saw the pictures. Yes. We tried mm -hmm. everything, but it's just not the same. The it's kids nice. want to be among their peers. They want to mm -hmm. be in an environment of learning where they can discuss with their friends. And, you know, they just want normalcy. So mm -hmm. we had to do what we could. And I ensured I did everything I could to ensure that normalcy remained. So, so, so I, so, so yes. So, um, so you would you would travel to the various districts and what were you doing disseminating information about the protocols is that what no, your travels no. the communication techniques that we used um mm -hmm. were not um disseminated that particular way we would use the the, the you know the various media the radio stations etc facebook etc mm -hmm. you know you know social media etc to actually ensure that the protocols and what is needed and press briefings, um, mm. press briefings and um, um, well, well, mostly press briefings to let the, the nation know of the protocol, mm. what is expected right. of them. So um, whistle stops and, you know, going from community to community, we wouldn't necessarily engage in that. What we would mm. do is give short teachings at the health centers. Mm. The, you know, the patients would come to the health centers because we still allowed the health centers to continue operation, except mm -hmm. that we implemented this, you know, the scheduling because, you know, primary healthcare is supposed to be free and free healthcare for all. You're supposed right. to just walk in and get primary healthcare, but we had no choice but to implement, you know, um, um, appointments, the appointment mm -hmm. system and um, only a certain number of patients at a time so that we could maintain the social distancing, et cetera, mm -hmm. and promote the guidelines of the Ministry of Health. So, mm -hmm. So, so in the beginning, Simon, before I was assigned to the role of director, I was being deployed all over the island. So I, I was on the ground. I was a foot soldier. The actual technical minds at the back that would generate the list of individuals we would have to go out and target and test, et cetera. That was not me. All I had to do was wait to hear where I'm being deployed to, who are the persons that I need to test, okay? Get on that bus and we would navigate the island in a, in a non-air-conditioned bus, hot sun, looking for all who has been in contact with whoever the contact was mm -hmm. and, um, and do our job. Mm -hmm. that. Then after being assigned to the um, position of director, then I became now the head of that of that contact tracing team mm -hmm. so and 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 funny enough that contact tracing team the the technical minds behind it was just a, a, a total of four individuals wow. myself yes myself a senior community health nurse um nurse Liz, uh dr john she's the chief dental officer and uh, mr lester guy he was the he's the coordinator of the hiv unit and with every case because we came in at case number 18 and i believe i left off um when I was allowed to go on leave after being very, very, you know, spent, tired, mm -hmm. I left off at case number 136 or 140. And I, I came in at case number 18, basically. Wow. So that's quite a few cases mm -hmm. that we had to um, ensure were always contained in the COVID isolation unit for proper mm -hmm. management. Now, not every one of these cases in between required extensive contact tracing. 
Um, some of them, we, because of the guidelines and the protocols that we established with the technical committee and the border control task force, they were quarantined from the time they got on the island. And once, you know, we did our, what we call a five day PCR, we were able to identify them. So um, they were able to be contained at the COVID isolation unit. But those cases um, in the communities from the back door, uh, those cases that at one point or another, maybe um, they got out into the community. I mean, errors do happen. We had contact trace. Now, um, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, Doc, we have a very active audience who are viewing this program on Facebook Live, and we, we absolutely appreciate them for being here. And we encourage them to share the live and share this information that we are presenting today. But one particular uh, question jumped out at me. And of course, if I'm missing your question, I am completely engaged with Dr. Nesty right now. So do forgive me. I'll try to catch as many of the questions as possible. But Dave Bertrand asked, what measures are in place to prevent people from walking out of the quarantine centers? Okay. So that's a very good question. Yes, and, I think so too. Yes. And um, I'm going to try to do my best to answer this question. Mm -hmm. Every quarantine facility, Simone, that is granted the um, license to be a safe in nature property or a quarantine facility, they have to agree upon having on-site security. Mm. Ensure that persons who are at the safe in nature property, we call it safe in nature properties or quarantine facilities, it's the same thing, do not leave the compound. Now, it's a certain level of trust that you you give to a to a property. Um, it's a <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I've had that happen too, where the little one pokes their head into the camera. <laughs> it's a certain level of trust that you give to the property, and you and you kind of like hold your breath and uh, um, wish that they, they actually actually implement. And there are penalties if you don't, you can lose your certification. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, right now with, the, um, with our weakened tourism industry, the importance of allowing different hotels to be certified as safe in nature properties allows for these hoteliers to continue have some you know to make some money mm -hmm. so to lose your certification is a very big deal for a hotel a hotelier or proprietor who has a safe in nature property so it is expected that they have um that they have security measures in place now that was in the very beginning and uh, obviously that didn't work a number of persons would still leave the property and venture outwards. And we would get reports of this person was supposed to be in quarantine and they're seen at X, Y, and Z. I have had my share of having to send um, the, the police or the, uh, and it's not a nice thing eh, to send the police yeah. who was supposed to be in quarantine, but they're not in quarantine. Um, I have been, I have even, I've been called names for doing, for doing that, but I have, I have no choice because on our island, persons are very carefree and very innocent, okay? Um, I don't know if it's because we've had a zero death rate, but um, we cannot quite get the Dominican um, population 
or the the you know the, the gross majority to to respect the protocols there, there's penalties in place there's charges in place there's all of these things in place and we still have persons dropping their guards significantly we have then we have moved on from just ex, from just relying on the security of the proprietors to the presence of wristbands and also elect not just the wristbands that um, would say safe in nature the plastic ones electronic wristbands so that you know you would be somewhat in a uh, um, electric electronic gated environment so to speak you know um, there there electronic wristband so all of that has now been implemented and um the success of that we are seeing but we are still not 100 percent able to say that when someone is in quarantine we can guarantee you that if it's in a safe in nature property they respect the quarantine measures but we are doing everything we can at the level of the ministry of health at the level of the um the police department etc to try to to do so, but we, we we get most of our problems from from nationals returning to Dominica. Interesting. So, yes, um, mm -hmm. it's very interesting because once they arrive on island, um, it's is the strangest thing. They, I guess, I can understand they're home and they want yes, and they want to go home and they want their freedom and um persons that probably had accents for days in countries that they they reside in come to dominica and all of a sudden they pull out the creole and they're starting it <laughs> when they're to see how they pick creole right oh my goodness and they want to leave and oh this, we've had many battles but um yes yes that answers your question so yes it does it does it does a fantastic job and speaking of friends um it, i think you'll be happy to know that jl joseph is on the live with us so hey jl thank you for being here and uh michael hey, henderson also says hopefully people understand and appreciate the sacrifice of the health care professionals and i think she's relating a lot because i hadn't even thought about it but the the having professionals and having kids at home doing online learning and you know that that's the thing about doing programs such as this and getting other people's perspective because as you know i'm an online professor so i'm home so when when sophia was home and luckily she was only home for the end of um the year last year which ran from march to may so i was fortunate that um she was able to go back to school this august for the yeah. new for the you know yeah. so sometimes we have to hear from other people to mm -hmm. appreciate what they've gone through but i want to say congratulations to mm -hmm. you and your team for the zero death rate in dominica and as we know we shouldn't take that for granted because look at what's going on in saint lucia correct covid19 correct. is running rampant so so let's say mm -hmm. you're a consultant and you're speaking to St. Lucia, what would you recommend to them based um, on what you've done for Dominica? Don't drop your guard, you yeah. know? Tourism is 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 tourism is in, important. Don't um I get that, you know. We need to be able to to pay salaries. We need to have the, you know, the economy continue as best as it can. But when it's at the um when it's at the expense of 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 um your health mm -hmm. and at the expense of your life you have to understand that this just may not be the time for it you may really have to 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 make that very serious decision to put it on hold and the importance of not you have protocols and i love protocols simon before i went into that management post 
protocols was not something we dealt with. We dealt with medicine. What right. I was taught in medical right. school, in management, after sitting on these long committee meetings, and I mean, a meeting would start at two and go on until seven in the night. Wow. We would come up with protocols and guidelines. Stick to the protocols, stick to the guidelines. The protocols are there for a reason. So you cannot tell me if someone comes in and they go to your hotel, you allow them not to wear their mask, not to, you know, not to socially distance, to, to continue business as usual, because it is not business as usual. And your numbers are showing that it's not business as usual and you have to respect this virus a lot of persons don't respect this virus um even here in dominica they don't i mean they, they some people say it's a different type of covid virus we hear all kinds of things but especially now even if our death rate is zero and even if that was my advice to saint lucia and the and our neighboring islands it is even more important that dominicans do the right thing wear their masks avoid large crowds, the social distancing, et cetera, because all of our neighboring islands are suffering. Yes. All of our neighboring islands are suffering. Yes. All of the, our international countries, they're suffering. Yes. Even if we have the vaccines, we're still having very high death rates. And we have this backdoor culture that we cannot delve away from in Dominica, Simon. And they're coming mm -hmm. from places like Guadeloupe and Martinique where the case numbers are just enormous you know enormous and then we, we speak of um the strains the new strains that are being developed yes, and they are they are in the they are they are on our neighboring islands if not even on our shores mm -hmm. so um now is not the time to say and another thing i mean let's stick up in that point another thing is because of the vaccines a number of persons are thinking we're out of the woods we're good we're all vaccinated mm -hmm. We're not. We're, we're so not out of the woods. It is just, it, I just have to use this opportunity to let persons know that currently we, um, the number of persons vaccinated in Dominica is at uh, about 17,000. Okay. Mm -hmm. To, to, to get the herd immunity that would possibly take us out of the woods or at least allow us to, you know, look beyond the, you know, the, the, the density of the woods, whatever, we would have had to vaccinate about 50,400 persons. Mm -hmm. So we are 17,000. So that mm -hmm. does not mean persons can just, you know, even if you've been vaccinated, not wear a mask or persons who, who have not been vaccinated figure, but the vaccine is there and others are vaccinated. So I'll be just fine. Right, now, right. It's not mandatory in Dominica to be vaccinated, but, and, and, um, but we've been blessed. We've been blessed and gifted with vaccines, whereas other countries, some other countries have not even started their vaccine rollout. We have started a vaccine rollout. We're begging persons to be vaccinated. And um, the, the funny thing about it is it, it, the strains, they, they begin to develop if you if you choose not to be vaccinated, if you choose not to contribute to the end of this pandemic. I remember once I was speaking of this on a radio station and someone called in and said, um, I'm forcing people to get vaccinated, but I'm really not. What I'm trying to say is that the longer we allow it to just hang around and to mutate and change, sooner mm -hmm. or later, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna may not even be able to handle the, the amount of strains that will develop. So, okay. I mean, you make the choice. Mm -hmm. So, I understand it's a new vaccine and I understand it was made, made at Operation Warp Speed, like everyone says, but when, when persons were dying in the, you know, in the thousands a day, Persons were was were buying for a vaccine. Yeah, the vaccines are here, and they're like, uh, uh, mm -hmm. that 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 was just too fast. Too I fast. Guess. Too fast. And, and and to be honest, Simon, um, it is a risk. Any everything we do right now 
there is some risk attached to it because mm -hmm. this is a new vaccine. This is a vaccine that is not more than um, vaccines that have been developed. They're not more than a year old. Mm -hmm. So we don't have data to tell you what will happen to you in or possibly happen in six years time, seven years time. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, the, the, vac the vaccines have been produced by persons that um, or by companies that are reputable. Mm -hmm. And um, they've, they've been, you know, they've been given and taken by frontline workers. Yeah. Um, we're all trying to, 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 to contain this pandemic, to put an end to it. We're all trying to play our part. Um, like I said, it is a risk, but at the end of the day, this is the most we can do for our children after us. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I was, I, I, well, I don't, I mean, we have all kids already and we want to return to normalcy. So mm -hmm. that is the most we can do for now. I'm, I'm tired of wearing a mask, Simone. I don't like yeah, wearing a mask. Too. Me too. Me too. I don't me like too. it, you know, so. Yeah, me but. too. It's what we have to do. And, you know, I'm really enjoying yeah. the engagement with the audience. So we have Glenda Schillingford and she asks, is there future plans of quarantine being shortened once, or oh, did I lose your question? Um, let me get back to Glenda's question. Okay, I lost the question. All right, let's let's do herd immunity. Once herd immunity, yeah, I think she was referring to having. Uh, we have so many comments coming in, Gilda. I I'm trying to keep track of them, but we she I think she was asking about the potential of the airport. Um, well, is the, is the airport open? Yes, the airport is open. I think she mentioned something about the, the airport. But I think she's probably saying as the vaccine rollout continues, is there a chance that the quarantine period will be reduced and eventually eliminated? Like, is there a time frame on how long will it take for the vaccine to uh, get out to at least 50,000 people and then have the quarantine period reduced? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, um, I actually can speak to that a, a bit because um, like I was saying earlier, for us to arrive at the herd immunity that would allow us to get out of the woods, we would have to vaccinate up to about 50,400 persons. Um, currently, we're at 17,000. And um, the, with, the, with the first batch of AstraZeneca that we were gifted um, we were gifted with, and, and, and it's a gift that we, we thank um, um, India uh, for um, forgiving us. The, the um, expiration date is the 29th of, of, um, of May. And uh, because of that, and because of the time that we, we want to afford between the two doses that is required to be received, we had to, we could give it no, we cannot give it, we cannot give the first dose anymore. So we're looking, so the 17,000 that we're, we're at, whatever percentage of that is from the AstraZeneca vaccine, because we've also received the Sinopharm from China, whatever percentage of that, that is the, or whatever, yeah, that is the percentage that will receive the second dose. Mm -hmm. So we, so I can, I can, I can, without a doubt say that uh, clearly for now, given the first batch of AstraZeneca, we would not, we are unable to arrive at the herd immunity that we wish we could arrive at, possibly look at um, protocol changes. So it's just yes. not possible right now. Yeah. So I wanted to go back to a question because I don't want to miss anybody's question. Is there future plans of quarantine being shortened once you present a negative PCR result upon arrival and also having a negative rapid test result from the Dominica airport? 
No, 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 no. Okay. Our, our quarantine period and our the the testing time period speaks to the science of co the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So, um, given the amount of time it takes for the virus to to replicate and for us to begin to for it to actually be able to be picked up by the PCR test, we are we are given no choice but to leave it as it currently is. So there will be no shortening based on negative PCR on and a negative rapid. Um, mm -hmm. that, that is no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. And then uh, we have lots of questions, uh, Dr. Nesty, so I hope you don't mind that we ask you a couple of them. And Kurt Williams says, are there plans in place if different variants spread before immunity is obtained? I'm not sure how you would answer that. I guess the idea is to get the vaccine out as quickly as possible before the variants can even get to the island. Correct. Or before we can have variants um, uh, matriculate, uh, form, because, um, um, can you repeat the question one more time, Simone? Yeah, sure. Are there plans in place if different variants spread before immunity is obtained? Right. So, um, I for now, as far as I know, with the up-to-date information that I have, the protocols remain the same. So mm -hmm. if there are different variants on the island, all protocols and guidelines for now are solid and they will remain the same. Now, um, if there are new variants that were to, were to materialize on the island, then it would take higher level discussions and I would mm -hmm. have to be privy to the... Um, to, to, to that level of discourse for me to answer as to where whether a new uh you know there would be protocol changes or or new guidelines etc mm -hmm. um obviously if we have variants running rampant throughout the island and death rates increasing then um the the measures that we currently are are enforcing would be even more severe not severe but even more rigid Let's put it that way, because first and foremost, we protect our people. And that is what the Ministry of Health, um, in collaboration with the Ministry of Tourism and even um, the other stakeholders like um, who are part of all of the decision making, first and foremost is the welfare of the people. So if we end up with variants that um, regardless of our vaccine numbers, we're unable to control, we will do what it what it takes to protect Dominicans and and um I am telling you, if if we end up with with deaths on the island, variants that we uh, that we cannot we cannot handle, then a curfew probably would be would be again implemented to, con to contain and control. There would be some um, some some serious measures put in place. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And Sherian Doriville says, is quarantine mandatory if you've taken your vaccine? So for example, my mom is eager to come home. You know, she goes to Dominica every year and she did not go um, last year and she's received the, both of her shots. So I guess the question is, if you've received both of your shots, do you still have to quarantine when you get to Dominica? Yes. And the answer, unfortunately, is yes, because, mm -hmm. we, because we know the vaccine... It's, it's, thank God it's been created, but the vaccines don't necessarily prevent you from getting the coronavirus. It can um, prevent, you, you know, it can prevent you from succumbing to, to the severity of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't prevent you from spreading the coronavirus. And in a country as such as Dominica, where we don't have this herd immunity, where we can say without a doubt that all those who are not vaccinated are indeed still safe. Um, 
we you know we can't we cannot say that so our, our people are still vulnerable so um if we if we if we come up with a vaccine that we can say 100% will prevent you from catching the coronavirus then if you get that vaccine and you come home to be honest i would i can't even tell you if we won't quarantine you still because we're just <laughs> so careful yes <laughs> yes and you have to be because you've been so successful in what you're doing so you certainly don't want to um, relax on the restrictions and then have this virus uh, spread uncontrollably. So, And just a, a, little, a, a little bit of the quarantine, Simone. The quarantine, mm -hmm. you know, you, you come to the island and we allow you the five-day incubation period that the virus could take to, you know, to multiply in your system. And on your fifth day, we do your PCR test. Um, depending on the, you know, there only, there's only one government lab and they have their um, their maximum number of tests that they can process daily. Um, we're hoping to expand. We're hoping that this will be different. The idea is to do better, always to do better. And by expanding, allowing other labs, uh, developing other labs, or allowing private entities to also do the PCR testing can speak to the rapid turnaround for results. That is the only thing that can help shorten what what amounts to about seven days of quarantine to about five days. But the quarantine is the, the quarantine, the strict quarantine is about five days with about a 48 hour turnaround period for you to get your results. So it takes it to about seven days. So just understand you'll be mm -hmm. for about seven days. And then after mm -hmm. that, you're still, although you're no longer in strict quarantine, you're still not free to roam throughout Dominica as you see as you see as you see fit and as you so please and and still drop your guard we still tell you to monitor yourself for another seven days we just allow you to do so you can do so at home you understand avoid the large uh, the large crowds we, you can still go out we're not the restrictions are not as um severe anymore but be careful because you know we're we're trying to speak to the science but at the same time it's a revolving disease. It's a revolving, this virus is probably changing all the time. We're learning about it. So even if you're, after your seven days, you're allowed to leave the strict quarantine, we still ask that you monitor yourself closely, avoid the large crowds, at least one of the seven days, you know, but we're not going to be like policing you. You know, you're, 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 you have a certain amount of freedom. Enjoy it. Mm -hmm. After that, then... You know, you can you're just enjoy the island. And you, you'll be happy you'll be happy to know your brother Dale Nesty is on the live and he pretty much asked the same questions about being treated treated different differently if you've received the vaccine. So I think you answered that already. And then we have Jail, she has two questions. If you have been vaccinated as well as a negative test, do you still have to be quarantined? Secondly, which vaccine is better based on what is on island? So okay. do you have an opinion about a better vaccine? I think at this point, we're yeah, just happy so to, to have the vaccines. So with Jail's first question, the, um, the answer still remains the same, simply because the vaccine does not prevent you from catching the coronavirus and we don't have that herd immunity. So that's, it speaks to Dale's question, it speaks to Jail's question. You don't, we don't have herd immunity on the island. The vaccine does not necessarily prevent you from catching the virus. So once you've been vaccinated, 
it's safer for you to travel. Your 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 sequelae, if you do get exposed to the virus, would be lessened. Um, the chances mm -hmm. of you having to be hospitalized would also be um, decreased. But that does not say that you cannot contract the virus. So coming to an island of persons that um, where herd immunity is not present, and the the innocence is evident in the persons that you you, you pass on the streets who are not wearing a mask, etc. We the decision makers have to still encourage or still enforce the quarantine measures to protect the vulnerable population. So vaccination, negative PCR still equals quarantine. I know it sounds rough, but um, you will understand it even more after you leave quarantine and you start to navigate the island. Um, mm -hmm. We're doing everything we can to try to enforce the importance of adhering to the guidelines of the Ministry of Health, the, the mask wearing, the, the, the social distancing, the avoidance of large crowds. But it's a it's a battle. It's a it's, it's a battle even for me sometimes because yeah. look at on Monday there's going to be soca on the hill. My God, I'm dying for oh, some soca okay. on the hill. No, I'm serious, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, but what the um, policymakers ensure that they do, though, is control the numbers. So we yeah, will it's, allow... It's restricted to 50 people, right? Right. So you are mm -hmm. still allowed a little bit of enjoyment, but there are restrictions. To so take those restrictions yeah. away, this pandemic has to come to an end. And yeah. um, I don't, in the foreseeable future, I don't see where that, when that is happening. In terms mm -hmm. of which vaccine is best... Well, the AstraZeneca is no longer available as a first dose vaccine. Um, the AstraZeneca is a DNA vaccine as opposed to Sinopharm, which is an inactivated form of the virus. Um, um, from what, from my understanding, the Sinopharm is even safe enough for children. So it should be a safe enough vaccine. It is. It comes from China, and I don't have a lot more information on that. AstraZeneca has been getting a lot of... Um, a lot of um, airplay right now mm -hmm. in terms of the you know the blood clots and the um, clots in the brain, etc. That they're ex experiencing in some UK recipients. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, uh, we have had we have not had that on the island with the batch, but we you know but you know concerns are still there. I myself am concerned because I got the AstraZeneca and mm -hmm. I. Simon, let me tell you, this is a praying island. We continue to pray. You understand? Amen. I pray a lot. So um, <laughs> me too. I, I try not to let my mother hear me praying, but <laughs> but I do. I, I really do pray a lot. Even if the kids, you know, the rosary at night. That's we such have a to. We have to. For me. But um, I think this is one of the reasons why we're so protected. I, I really mm -hmm. do. I really, really do. I'm, I'm not going to knock it. I think, mm -hmm. honestly, that's one of the reasons Dominica is so protected. Yeah, and speaking and speaking of the the vaccine, do we have enough of the va of the vaccines to uh, vaccinate everyone on the island? Is that is that the goal that we're trying to reach? No, we would love okay. to. The first, the initial objective was to um, to vaccinate what we call the priority population, and that mm -hmm. would have been frontline workers, healthcare workers, you know those that would be in the heart of COVID. But even our frontline workers were like, uh-uh, not me with that vaccine. So it became like, you know what? The frontline workers are not going to take it. Um, we cannot- So there's resistance. COVID. There's resistance on the island. There is resistance. There's resistance. Mm -hmm. But um, there's also a lot of acceptance. So mm -hmm. we may not get it in this pocket of individuals, but we got it in this pocket of individuals. Right. So we were still able to reach that um, that 17, almost 18,000. And I mean, that is still remarkable for us. Yes, you know? it is. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
it's the 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 number so it's somewhere close in the ballpark of what we were we were looking to achieve in mm -hmm. terms of the priority population but it does not cover what we need to cover to 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 to, to attain herd immunity on the island right, you right no we had enough we definitely have enough for the priority group Mm -hmm. So that would answer the priority group um, portion, but the fifty thousand, we would we we would need another gift. We would need another gift. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, and that's where the protocols come in because if you only have a certain percentage vaccinated, then right. to to stave off the virus, uh, you know, spreading over the right. island, then mm -hmm. you still need the protocols in place. Right. And Mignan right. has a, a very good point. Mignan says new research and information is already coming out in indicating vaccines such as Oxford AstraZeneca reducing by 67% transmission due to lower viral load and okay I don't know that last word we'll just say um, viral load so really great information coming in no, no, I have on to, the live I, I have to just highlight who Mignan Schillingford is she's yes. um, one of she's she's a nurse a very well respected nurse on the island oh, and nice. she's also um She's also head of the, the communications team. So she's, um, I worked with her oh. and I'm, I'm very happy that she's signed on and yes. she can feel free to, 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 to add anything she wants oh, in good. here. And I, I just hope that I am doing um, our communication strategy team and um, Dominic on a whole justice by speaking with you, Simone, tonight. Yes, and yes. if there's anything I've said that is that is incorrect, Please feel free to correct me because I am I'm not one that um, if corrections has to be made, I will mm -hmm. humbly give it. Okay, so yes, yes, wonderful, wonderful everyone who's joining us this evening. And Dale has an impossible question for you, uh, Doc. He says, approximately what dates are you expected to reach herd immunity? He wants a date. This is right. your brother. <laughs> I know, but to reach but but on a serious note, to reach herd immunity, we would have to have adequate um, vaccine available yeah. Yeah. and um, um, unless we unless we actually have that we can't even speak of herd immunity right. at this point and um, we would have to have also the it's a good question though because mm -hmm. I mean that is what we would all want to achieve right but I, I cannot mislead the, the listening you know the listening um, audience by giving a, a, a tentative date it's just impossible because mm -hmm. right you know there are a lot of persons that do not wish to be vaxxed do not wish to be jabbed and a lot of persons with questions as to which one is better you know we, will this one do this to me we, will this one do that and um maybe i went out on a whim and decided to take the risk but um we're not forcing anybody to do so so it is still your choice to take the vaccine and um once it's not mandatory then it is not mandatory that we will achieve herd mm -hmm. if you look at it if it was yeah. a mandatory vaccine we could see, and we had the numbers we could see definitely by such and such a date mm -hmm. you know the last day of the first dose we can say that we are halfway there to achieving hood but we cannot see that at this point absolutely. and i can't i absolutely cannot give a date yes so, and and this nurse chilling for chimed in again she said who paho uh, c-a-r-p-h-a and eu have since sent out press releases statements, etc., that they have found no link with the Oxford AstraZeneca and blood clots and the vaccine benefits far outweigh the risk. 
Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah. And so, like I said earlier, this was um this side e- this side effect was experienced by some UK recipients mm-hmm. in a particular batch. And I mean, it's you know, according to the Shillingford, right now, you know, WHO, CAFA, um, they're all saying that there is no direct link. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yes, well, again, congratulations on all the wonderful work um, that you and your team have done to pretty much keep Dominica safe during this very unprecedented pandemic, a pandemic that the world has not seen in over a hundred years. And unfortunately, we're seeing many variants. So again, we are not at the end of this mm-hmm. pandemic. I think, especially here in the US, you're exactly. seeing the pandemic fatigue. And mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot of young people who are no longer wearing the mask this time of the year. It's spring break. And yeah. many spring breakers in Florida are no longer wearing the mask. And now what do we see? A surge in the virus in the mm-hmm. younger population. So we might be done with the virus, but the virus is not done with us. Yeah. Yes, yep. yes. That's absolutely correct, Simon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely correct. So, so do you have any final words for us as we get ready to wrap up? And of course, this is not going to be your last appearance with us because we have so much more to talk about. We have we to do. talk about family life, which I know yes. you are very big, um, you know, a phenomenal woman, you're a strong mother, wife, and we have to talk about the importance of family life. And oh, Simon, thank you so much. But, um, I, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but oftentimes I wonder if I'm doing such a good job at parenting. Well, well I, 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 you know, I, I'll take my accolades and, you know, all of this nice flowers you're giving me, but yes. um, nowhere close to perfect, I can tell you Yes, well, no, none of us are. This is why we need to have the conversation because we need to talk about what works for you, what works for me, what yeah. I can probably get some tips from you and you can probably get some tips from me. You never and know. we can get some tips from the audience and all there pull it go. all together. There you go. There you go. Uh, but 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 I have carried. I have worn a lot of uh, many hats in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. So um, and I, I honestly didn't think that that I could do it. I really didn't. So uh, prayer was a was a big was a was a big help. To be very honest with you, um, I've learned that. Um, you never truly know someone. You may think you know someone yes. and you never truly know that person. Absolutely. Um, I've learned to lean on those that are positive and those that have been helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, like the nurse minion role that, you know, nurse Schillingford that's on there. That's a very positive um, female. Um, I have to highlight some of the officers that I worked with, some of the doctors that I worked with, Dr. Jeffrey, Dr. Peters, um, I have to call their names because I'm telling you, they kept me. They kept me through this. They really did hold me together. Dr. Masik or Dr. Zsajak, um, Dr. Um, Moses. I mean, the Dr. Henderson. The, these these female doctors not only worked with me without giving me any resistance because they're the ones heading the the the, the seven districts. They they would check up on me. I mean. Dr. Zsajak would always be like, Dr. Nessie, are you eating okay? Are, are you checking on yourself? I remember once I was going to one of the meetings and I had such bad palpitations. I was like, what is this? I was holding my chest. Wow. I was like, what is this? I've never felt this before. And I, I called on one of the pharmacists and I was like, I need one of your, I need a, just a baby aspirin or something. Cause I was like, this just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, I'm telling you, so so those those doctors they, they really looked out for me, and and mm-hmm. and my chief medical officer, um, Dr. Johnson, Dr. Johnson, and my PS, they would they would not allow me to be subpar. 
but they would understand that this is new for me because I'm a clinician mm -hmm. you know, asked to manage. And if I was doing something wrong, they would call me out on it, but never with any lingering hard feelings. So mm -hmm. I could always call upon them after. And uh, because of that, even now, I'm able to speak with them, you know, with, with a certain amount of, um, obviously with respect, but with a certain amount of, um, you know, friendliness. And, and I appreciated them for that. Uh, there were a number, Simon, let me tell you, one, once you've been reassigned from one position to the next, you, it comes with challenges, eh? A lot Absolutely. of interpersonal persons not happy with, with, with what, with, with the um, position you're in. Wow. Um, persons, you know, saying not too kind things um uh, or thinking that you know they can do it better and and, and everybody mm -hmm. will get a chance and i get that you know i mean those things happen and um but my thing to just do my best and just try to leave it at that come out trying my best you know the, mm -hmm. all i could do was my best that that's about it so i thank all those really and truly that helped me because this was not possible by myself this, mm -hmm. this a lot a lot of people really worked with me a lot mm -hmm. of people and um it was, it was a beautiful experience, to be very honest yeah. with you. It came with the good, it came with the bad, it mm -hmm. came with, um, you know, a, a good a learning curve. And um, I met a lot of wonderful, brilliant people along the way. You understand? Mm -hmm. like, like the deputy commissioner and the, the PS of tourism and, you know, like the... Um, the CEO of DASPA, working with these people, all these, all these heads of departments, all these very brilliant people and, and, and taking part in the discussions. I mean, it only helped me to grow and mm -hmm. I enjoyed it very much. So there, the people, simple, sim, you know, other workers like community health aides that would, that would assist me, that would always be there for me. I mean, I mean, th that really spoke volumes. So, like I said, you know, it came with the resistance, it came with the bad, it came with the this, it came with the that, but ultimately it was a great experience. And to all who are out there, just you have to understand that our staff is very limited and our workload is very huge. It's enormous. So when we, you know, when we ask persons to please wear their mask, wash their hands, the simple things, it's so simple right now that people probably that, you know, don't even pay any attention to it anymore. But it is those simple things that's going to allow us to live a better life here during this pandemic. So, you know, work with us. That's all. That's yes. all I can say. Yes, I with. agree. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have a lot of uh, congratulations on the life for you. Uh, Tamara Karam says, so proud of you, Dr. Gilda. Shanna John Baptist, great job. Uh, Evelina Bla wants you to define bipolar, but we're going to have to come back on a, another program. <laughs> yes. oh, that I would love that. I would love that. Mm -hmm. Yes, Nasty. I think you know who that is. That's my sister for sure. Hat, hats off, my darling. Great job. Uh, let's see, Beverly. Uh, we could spend the entire evening just looking through your comments. So again, thank you, uh, Dr. Gilda. Thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Yes. And you will be a wonderful resource to what we're trying to do here in terms of informing and mm -hmm. educating our audience, bringing them relevant topics on health, on mental health. And I didn't even know we were going to have you on for mental health, but I'm looking yeah. forward to this having that. Passions. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's to have definitely that. one of my passions and one yes. of my loves, mental health. And for some yes. reason, persons who actually battle with issues such as that, they find me for some reason. They find me. So it's something that I have, um, you know, 
honestly in in the future for me it's something yes. that i have to look into definitely. yes and i would love to work with you on it no problem simon so, i mean we'll do what we can you know and it just might help someone out there and that's all yes. we can ask for. and i mm -hmm. always say if it reaches one person that's one person we potentially save that is correct that so is correct. so i'm looking forward to doing that wonderful work with you and of course we thank our audience for joining us this evening thank you for stopping by for another end of day stress-free uh stress-free zone with us and of course for more information about everything that i do including who's coming up next and you know sometimes we just have to tap back into the same families so right. here we have dr uh, nesty with us dr nesty tong with us and guess what next week her husband mr robert tong will be one of our guests so sometimes we just have to tap into the same family and get the resources that we need to bring you these wonderful programs and again we want to thank TD and radio for providing this platform where we are able to come to you each and every uh, a couple of nights each uh, week to be able to bring you some great conversation wonderful company and just have an opportunity to interact with you so it was wonderful being here with you this evening don't forget to like push past 10 to find out all about who is coming up next and we look forward to being with you right here for another program so you have yourself a wonderful evening